0: I want to talk to you today, culture value number five, we are family. So why do we have these culture values? I want to remind you that culture values is really talking about who we want to become, what we want to be known for at Mountain Park Church. Kind of speaks to people outside there. When they talk about Mountain Park Church, I don't want them to say, you know what? They've got a funny talking short guy there from South Africa. He can teach the Word of God. No, no, no. Oh, they got a great singer and DeAndre who can hit the, hit the notes and blow the roof off and a great team, and they have the best kids. All those things are awesome, but I want them to say at Mountain Park, they're worshipers. They worship God. He's first in everything they do because there is no other name than the name of Jesus. We want His name to be great, and so we worship Him. We are gracious. What does that mean? We, we've not just received the grace of God where, where God should have thrown us to the side because we were sinners. No, He gave us grace in giving us His Son, Jesus. And we've received the mercy. Remember, the only way to heaven, the only way to salvation, Jesus said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to the Father. No one goes to heaven but through me. It's not about how good we are, how spiritual we how, are, how kind we are. All those things are good. But none of those things get you to heaven. Only Jesus. Why? Because we've all sinned and missed the mark of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And so we receive this grace, but then what do we do? We extend the grace out. We are gracious. And you might say, well, what does that look like? We're gracious in our words. We're gracious in the way we talk to people. What we say about people. We're encouraging. We're gracious. And then we spoke about purposeful. Remember, Mountain Park is what? It's not a cruise ship, it's a battleship. Right now, there's a battle going on. We say, What are you talking about? Russia? You're talking about this? No, no. There's a greater battle going on right now. It's the battle for souls. It's the battle for eternity. You see, there's a God in heaven who loved broken sinners like you and I, and he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross that we could be forgiven. And through that forgiveness, we could have a relationship with our holy God. And so without Jesus, you don't go to heaven. And so the devil right now, God is extending grace and love through his church, the gospel, the good news. But there is a world, the Bible says there is a power. In fact, the Bible says there's a prince of this world, the devil, who if you don't have Jesus in your life, he then is your Lord. Well, I don't worship the devil. I don't know Jesus. I don't worship the devil. No. If you don't have Jesus, the enemy, the devil, has a right to your soul. And if you don't have Jesus, you don't go to heaven. And so there's a battle going on where, where the devil is trying to distract people from God. They're trying to, he's trying to fill them with all this new age weird stuff that they will not seek God. But the good news is God has Mountain Park Church planted in Phoenix, in Awatuki, in Chandler, near Tempe, because we are a light on the hill to tell the world that God loves you, God has forgiven you, God wants relationship with you, and that if you invite Jesus into your life, you'll spend eternity. Your last breath on earth will be your first breath in eternity. That's the good news. And so we're living on purpose, and then we're what? We're generous. What does that mean? We spoke about it last week, that I'm generous with my time, I'm generous with my talent, and I'm generous with my treasure. That I can be in one or two places. I'm either an owner, that it's, it's all mine. Gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. Hope your name's not Jimmy, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's just all mine. I'm building my kingdom, my empire, my legacy. No, I'm a steward. Everything I have, my very breath I have, he gave to me. My time, he gave to me. My treasures, he gave to me. The talents, he gave to me. I am a steward. And so what am I doing? I'm stewarding what he's given me because there's a time coming where he will return. And we spoke about the parable of the talents. The master will return. And so my my assignment is to be generous with the things that God has given me important culture values. And so today we're going to talk about number five, that we are family. And this is so important because I want you to understand, the church is not some place you go to. The church is a family you belong to. Very important. The church is not some place you go to on a Sunday just to get your you know, to come and confess and talk about all the bad stuff you did during the week so you can drive out of your feeling a lot lighter and a lot better. And then you come back next Sunday and you do the same thing. And then you come, you know, you just go back into the week. No, no, no. This is a family that you belong to. See, the church is not a building. In fact, the Bible teaches us that as Jesus hung on the cross, when he breathed his last breath, Scripture says that in the temple, the veil was torn from top to bottom. It was God tearing it. And why was He tearing it? He was saying that all are welcome. You see, in, in the times before Jesus died, only the priest could come into the presence of God. Only He could go behind the veil. But when Jesus died through His blood, every person that puts their faith in Him, their sins are forgiven and you're made righteous. The Bible says we are the righteousness. We are in right standing with God through Jesus. But I love it because when he tore the veil, it wasn't just him saying, come to me. I believe it was God saying, I'm coming to you. Because the Bible teaches that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor My life has got a lot of issues and there's a lot of sin and there's not a lot of great things in me. Yes, but the blood of Jesus washes that away. It's the blood of Jesus that makes us clean. And now we have the spirit of God. See, God doesn't dwell in a building. He dwells in our lives. We are his church. We are his temple. We are his people. We are his family. Listen to Paul in Ephesians chapter four as a prisoner of the Lord, verse one, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Paul's saying, come on, you've received this salvation, this miracle, this grace, this hope. Jesus, he says now to do what? Live worthy of it. He says live up to it. Live out of it. Verse two, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I love that. He says, come on, as, 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 Children of God, live humbly, bow your heart. It's not always about you. Be patient with one another. Bear with one another. Now, I know some of you look at my family. Well, you know, Pastor Charlton, you, Cindy Shea, you guys are just so perfect. You know, I bet like I just walk into your house and I can just smell the aroma of heaven. Cindy's sitting there on the keyboard worshiping Jesus. You know, Shay's just praying and singing hymns, and you're just in the Bible all the time and with the Word of God. It's just beautiful. It's kind of like you guys are like, remember the TV show? And I'm going to date myself, The Waltons. Remember The Waltons? <laughs> good night, good night, John Boy. It's like, good night, Dad. Good night, Shay. Good night, Mom. Good night, Shay. Good night, Charlton. Good night, Cindy. It's just wonderful. Yeah, I wish. I have a five-year-old who thinks she runs the house. I got a five-year-old who's like, Daddy, I'm hungry. Get me something to eat. And I'm like, well, what's the magic word? Please. Like, was that so difficult? (laughs) Pray for us. My wife, I love her. I love her. She's like, here we go. She's the cleanest person I've met on planet Earth. And guess what? I'm not the cleanest person on planet Earth. I will put something down. I don't forget it's there. It's just not important to right now go and put it where it needs to be because the warriors are playing and they need me to pray. I will get to it. But it's it's affecting the environment and the peace. In our house. Can our brothers give me an amen or something? Help me out, yeah. I got ladies shouting at me right now. I got ladies on the online, like I'm praying for you, Pastor. You need to get set free. You know what? There's no perfect family. In fact, if I came to yours, it'd be interesting too, right? And Paul says it's the same in the church. None of us are perfect. We're all saved by grace. We wouldn't be family if Jesus didn't die on the cross for us. But Paul is saying, Come on, posture your heart around humility. Posture your heart around gentleness. Posture your heart around patience. Bearing with one another in what? In love. In verse three, make every effort to keep what? The unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. He's saying, Come on, make every effort. What does that mean to me? Fight for unity. Fight for unity. In the church, we should be the most united family. It's so sad that over my years in ministry, I've had to sit down with people at coffee, just coffee shops and talk. Or why don't you go to church? Oh, most hypocritical place to ever go to. Judgmental, opinionated. Pastor, I shared stuff with people, and guess what? They told everybody. Sometimes the church, we have such a bad reputation, but I believe God wants to change that. I believe Mountain Park, we're called to be family, a family that the people around us here would say, you know what, I need to jump in. And we would say, come in, you're welcome. There's a place for you in this family. It says, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and, and in all. And I love this. Paul's saying, don't forget, it was Jesus that made us one. We have one Father, one baptism. We have one authority. Paul's saying, come on. Shift your heart to unity and realize that God is the one that brought us together. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give, give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul's saying, come on. Do good to others, but especially as the family of God, as as, as, as the unity and the spirit. He says, "Come together and what? Do good to one another. Look for ways to help one another." Let me tell you, some of the greatest values that God wants in His church is this: we grow together. God has not called you to grow apart. When you when you gave your life to Jesus, He planted you in a family. He didn't pot plant you in a family. You pot plant yourself. Remember, I spoke about that in week two. Potted Christians get offended and they never grow. They jump from church to church. Planted, put their roots down. And you know, uh, I learned something in Hawaii. Hawaii, I lived in Hawaii for four and a half years, suffering for Jesus. (laughs) But Hawaii has a lot of palm trees. You know what's interesting about the palm trees? Because in the, when the hurricanes hit and the winds come, you'll see those trees bend. I would see them. Some of the hurricanes and storms that come through, the trees would just bend. But the next day they were fine. And someone told me the story of, uh, of those trees in Hawaii. They said, you know, those trees have the shallowest roots. And I said, well, that doesn't really sound too biblical because God wants us to have deep roots. Yes, he does. But he said, you know what's interesting about those trees? is their roots go across and their roots intertwine. And so when one tree is getting hit by the storm, another tree is helping him to stand. God wants his church to be like that, that we're growing together, that we're, number two, doing life together Number three, that we're living on purpose, that we're unified in the purpose and assignment of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, to go make disciples who make disciples, because in your world, there are people who don't know Jesus Christ, and you can be a good Christian, you can be kind to them, you can buy them a latte every week or bring them donuts to the office, but lattes and donuts don't get them to heaven, only Jesus does. They need to hear about the Jesus in your life because Jesus is the only one that can give them salvation and transform their life. He is the life, the truth, and the way. There is no other way. But there are people in your world that need Jesus. They need to get their roots intertwined with you and grow in faith. And so we, 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 we grow together. We, we do life together. We're on purpose together and we make a difference together. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes this in verse 11. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. We call that the five-fold ministry. He, he gave those to what? To equip his people, the saints, for the work of service. Some translations will say for the work of ministry. You see, my role as a pastor is to equip you to realize your role in God's story. For you to realize your ministry your gifts and your talents. See, you're a minister. Then you're a sales rep. Then you're a teacher. Then you're a nurse. Then you're an IT guy. You're a minister first, and Paul says, he says, "Come on, we we got to get busy." And he says, "So wh- why did he do this? Why does he want you ministering? And why does he want me equipping so that the body of Christ may what? Be built up. That's the goal." So we build each other up until what? We reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fruit of the fullness of Christ. What is our goal as a family is to build each other up? Why? So that we can grow into what? Becoming more like Jesus. That's the goal. The goal is not just you coming to this place of salvation, of I'm a sinner in need of a savior. That's the starting point. Now there's a growth that happens in you as you become a disciple of Christ who turns around and makes disciples. And as you're growing, you're becoming more like Jesus. And in verse 14, then he says, when this is happening, when we're building each other up and lifting each other up, when, we, when, we, we, when we, we're coming alongside as family, doing life together, growing together, he says, what happens? We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. He says, he says when, you, when you get planted in a family, and you're growing together and you're building each other up. You're becoming more like Jesus. And he says when, when, when things come your way and people's opinions and the world leader's opinions and that one's opinions, you're not tossed to and fro like a baby, like an infant. You're, you're mature in your identity in Christ. You're mature in your faith. You know what the Word of God says because you're growing in the Word of God. You're in a church that preaches the word of God. You're studying the word of God. You've in a, you're grouped up into a community group or a focus group where you're learning about the word of God. And so you're not tossed. Now I'm gonna say something and you're gonna get offended and you can email me tomorrow. My email is Jan Verner. Fasten your seatbelts. I told you I was gonna offend you sometime. But sometimes the most depressing thing for me to see is a Christian that will turn around and say, Pastor, I've been a Christian for 20 years, but they're like a baby tossed to and fro. And I'm like, they, they still got their diaper on. You're a 20-year-old Christian with a diaper on. Time to grow up in the things of God time for you to not make it about you and all your problems and all your stuff and say you know what he has saved me I'm his child I'm his minister I'm a disciple of Christ and I need to be taking care of those that are new in their faith those that don't know but we're still dealing with the same things we've dealt well you know what I don't like this about church I don't know if I like the pastor yet I don't know if I, I still after 10 years of coming to the church I don't know if I like it yet I don't know if I like all the music we play. We complain about certain things. Can we just get our eyes on Jesus? Because yes. we're family and we're not perfect. But he is the cornerstone. And Paul writes you and says, come on, don't be a baby. Take the diaper off. Grow up. Put the sippy cup down. Get off the milk. Get on the meat. Verse 15, instead. It says, what are you supposed to be doing instead? Speaking the truth in love. There's Some of us that love to, love to speak the truth, but not in love. Well, let me tell you what I think. I really don't care what you think. I care what he thinks. Because you ain't going to change nothing. He's going to change it. Now, if what you said was said in love and was the word of God, bring it on. Feed me. Feed me, I want it. He says, What we'll do, we speak in truth in love. Why? So we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature. Body of him, the mature family, who is Jesus, who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together. Up every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up, up in love as each part does what? Its work. As each part, as each part of the family is realizing their role in God's story, is growing in their part, is is sharing the truth in love. What happens? The body is built up. Oh, pastor, I thought we were a seeker sensitive church. I thought we were this church or that church. No, 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 we're Jesus' church. We're Jesus' family. So Paul says here, he says what? That we build it up in verse 12. He says, the body of Christ may be built up. How do we build each other up? I want to give you four things really quick. How do we build each other up? How do we encourage each other? Number one, we encourage each other through worshiping together. Yeah. You know what? You showing up on Sunday is so important. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like going to church today. I have some Sundays, I don't feel like going to church, <laughs> but I have to. I'm the senior pastor. <laughs> but you know what's so amazing is when you show up on a Sunday, See, I might be someone sitting next to you that's walked and just got a bad report or some bad news, and I'm sitting here on church, and you're coming next to me, and you're beginning to just worship God. You're beginning to praise God. You're beginning to press into God. You know what that does to me? It begins to lift up my spirit, because the Bible says this, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. And so when two or three begin to worship him, his presence is here. And I can, in the midst of my heaviness, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness because I'm in a corporate family anointing is what the Bible talks about. A corporate anointing. See, God inhabits the praises of his people. His presence comes. His refreshing touch comes. And I'm way down, but you're worshiping next to me. Your worship encourages me. Fasten your seatbelts. I think people, and I'm not pointing fingers to anybody, I think Christians were more excited last week when the Cardinals won in the last few minutes of the game <laughs> than what they were when they went to church that same Sunday morning. Oh my gosh, can you believe it? They won! Whoa! Throw the dog, run outside. Yeah, they won! There is a God! <laughs> what well, he was at church in the morning. We get more excited. Instead of coming into the house of God, David said, it was so good when I came into the house of the Lord and I worshiped the King of Kings that one day, one day I'm gonna spend eternity in heaven where there'd be no crying and no sin and no shame and no gnashing and no pain. I worshiped him. We get to do that every Sunday, but not every Sunday, we get to do that every day. But there's something that happens when you come in faith, ready to worship God and I come and all of us crying out to God. He inhabits, he opens the heaven yes. and he begins to work in the hearts. And so you worshiping on a Sunday is so important to the family of God. Yes. Well, Pastor, are you asking me to jump up and down like your wife? No. Yes. Cindy is yes. well, she says yes. <laughs> I mean. Pastor DeAndre's up here singing his heart out. He's sweating. You want me to? Yes. <laughs> but you know what? It's not about whether you raise your hands, clap your hands. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. It was good to go to the house of the Lord. We are worshipers. We worship God. Because he's worthy. He's worthy of more we can ever give him. He gave us his best. His son. He's so worthy. So we worship together. Another way we encourage each other, we encourage each other through praying together. That's how we do the prayer and praise cards. Let it never be a routine. Well, there he goes again. I guess his third song, I guess he's about to do the, you know, the prayer cards. No, 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 no. This is us coming together because we two or more agree concerning anything. This is us lifting up family members who are in a storm and a trial. Maybe you're not in one right now, but I can guarantee you something's gonna come your way. The enemy's gonna attack you in some area and you're gonna fill out a prayer card. And when you fill out that card, you're gonna be like, I sure am hoping that there's some people standing with me in prayer. we got a prayer team, the staff, we pray over those cards. But you know what? When we lift them and I say, stretch your hand out, I want you to believe with me that God in heaven is gonna do some miracles and some breakthroughs. Because my Bible says, God's ears are open to the prayers of the righteous. We pray, we worship together, we're praying together. Number three, we, we encourage each other by what? Serving together see when I serve along you we had over 200 people serve last weekend and I serve Saturday when I'm serving with you it's in building me up and encouraging me we, we're rubbing arms together we're getting to know each other we're talking about our wives and our kids and our jobs and our whatever and Jesus and what is it we're, we're encouraging by serving together when we go on a missions trip there's almost I think 60 people going to Rocky Point mission trip we've got already 30 going to Honduras next year you know what God does something through the family we're serving together making a difference but number four today is very important to me. We, we encourage each other through uplifting together. What does that mean? We lift each other up. The lame man in the Bible needed four friends to carry him to Jesus. They had to put him on a mat and lift him up and take him to Jesus. When we uplift each other, we bring in each other to Jesus. You see, what the ch- this is what concerns me in the church today. We, in- we encourage and lift each other by our opinions. Well, let me tell you what I think about this. Your opinion is not going to change anybody's life. It's the word of God that is living. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's the word of God, my friend, that transforms. Jesus said the parable of the sower. A man goes out and he throws seed. He sows seeds. And we focus on the different grounds where the seed lays. But a couple of verses down, the disciples said, what is the seed? And Jesus says this, the seed is the word of God. You and I are called to sow the word of God into the lives. That's how we uplift. Why? Because it's Romans chapter 10, 17 says, by faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? Your opinion? No, hearing by the word of God. You want to build another brother and sister's faith up? Give them the word. Faith comes by hearing and receiving the word of God. So I want to give you a tool really quick. This is something that's new at Mountain Park that we're kind of launching today and we're gonna grow over the next couple of months. It's called the Life Journal, the Life Journal. I got introduced to this by my mentor in 2001, done it for over 21 years, transformed my life. People say, Pastor Charlton, how do you know so many verses and scriptures and where do you get your sermons from? Very simple, from my Life Journal. The Life Journal takes you through the Bible in one year. There's a reading plan for each day. It takes you 15 minutes to do, or it can take you an hour. It depends how deep you want to go. It's a a way of feeding yourself because if all you do is feed on a Sunday morning, my friend, by the end of the week, you're going to be spiritually starving. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. We have to discipline ourselves. Now look at me. You can see I eat a meal or two or three or four every day. I feed my flesh, right? Yeah. But I also have to feed my spirit man. Because if you're wondering why you're so struggling with sin, it's because your flesh is stronger than your spirit man, the God side of you. And Jesus said you've got to feed your spirit man, the God side of your life. And what does he eat? in and out Burger, he eats the Word of God. Yes. So I want to give you a tool today, and I want to say right up the front, for some of you, there's a reading plan. It is an Old Testament section, a New Testament section, a Psalm, and a Proverb. And it's broken down in verses, not whole chapters, so you can do this in 15 minutes. For some of you, you're new to the faith, I'm going to just challenge you to start with the New Testament or just the Psalms and the Proverbs each day. Just start there. Because you might read the Old Testament and be like, what? There's a lot of death right here. I don't understand. Yeah, you won't, because you're not at that level yet. But just start with the New Testament, the Psalms, and the Proverbs. It's really easy to do. And the principle of the journal, and we're going to be launching this through leaders learning this, and ministry leaders, and men's groups, and women's groups, and, and live journal groups. In fact, I'm going to start a group in a couple of weeks and teach, teach guys how to do the journal. The principle is really easy, and I want to write it down for you. The principle of this is called soap. You might say, why soap? Because we need to wash ourselves with the Word of God. We're going to wash ourselves with the Word of God. So what you do is you take the reading. You go through the verses. As you're going through the verses, highlight a verse that stands out for you. This morning I got up at 5.30, I did my journal. Two verses in Ephesians 4 stood out for me. I wrote both of them down. You might just find one. The goal is not to get many verses. The goal is to get one or two. But what you do is you start by soap, writing down the scripture. What verse is God speaking or impressing on my heart today? What's that verse that's standing out? I write that verse down in my journal. Then O is observation. What is going on in this verse? Today, our journal was in fact out of Ephesians 4. Paul was talking about unity. It's funny, I'm teaching on it today and it was in my devotions this morning. Paul's talking about unity, the importance of unity. And then application, A is for application. How am I gonna apply this in my life? Okay, unity. For me this morning I wrote down, I'm gonna fight for unity. I'm gonna lead for unity. I'm gonna bow my heart where I need to, for unity. How do I apply this verse in my life? And then P is really easy. Close with a prayer. Simple prayer. God, would you help me to be an agent of unity, to help me to bow down where I need to bow down, where I need to let go of my opinions of that person, that situation, Help me to forgive them? You know, it takes you 15 minutes to do, but yes, the good news. If you just committed to one day a week of journaling, guess what? You've just done 52 days. I bet you 52 days in the Word of God this year will be 52 more than you spent last year. If you just committed to two days, 104 days, 104 days of the year, you would have been in the Word of God. That's a good goal, right? To say I did 104 days. I did 104 journal entries. Imagine doing three days, four days. You're gonna get to the point. You see, when I want if I want to get a six pack, I'm not gonna walk into the gym tomorrow, sign a contract, lift some weights, and walk out with a six pack. I wish it was so. It's gonna take me six months to get a six-pack. I've got to work the core, I've got a diet cardio. It's the same with the Word of God. Just scripture, observation, application, prayer. Set a goal for yourself. I'm going to encourage you to buy the journal. It's available in the lobby, the white, white, white marble table. Set a goal, two days a week. In three months, let's go three. Pace yourself. But you watch how God will begin to speak to you One of the ways he speaks to us is through his word. So I want to encourage you. Come on. It's time for Mountain Park family to be rooted in the word of God. (laughs) Rooted in the word of God. We're going to close today uh, with communion. And uh, because communion is one of the ways that we worship together as a family. And I'm gonna encourage you the next, uh, next couple of minutes, we're almost done. We're gonna worship in communion. Then we're gonna worship with our giving. Then we're gonna close the service. You've got these elements. So I want you to get them ready. I'm gonna invite the worship team out. I want you to open, these are new cups, they're a lot easier. You flip it over, you get the wafer. I want you to open the wafer and open the cup and I'm gonna lead us in communion as a family. But as we start today, I want to launch with verse 27 to 28 in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Listen to this. So then whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Listen to verse 28. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes really quick. Is there anything right now that you need to repent of to the Lord? Is there any sin right now? Is there anything you did or said, treated someone wrongly? If there's anything right now, you just got to say, God, would you forgive me? If there's nothing, that's okay. But if there's anything right now, God, just forgive me. Forgive me. Because we've got to prepare our hearts before communion. Then in verse 23, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, And for I received from the Lord that which I passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread. I want you to look at the bread. Hold it let look at it for a second. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And go ahead, partake of the bread. In verse 25, hold the cup up. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you... And whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whatever you eat and drink this cup, for whenever you eat and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Go ahead and partake of the juice. While we stand to our feet as we get ready to just worship in this next moment, we are worshipers.